Tonight, epic anticipation on the eve of Team Canada's World Cup opener. Woo! Go Canada! The pride. It's going to be just electric. The parties. Cheers, 36 years of waiting. And the predictions. Competing to win every single match we play in. The Alberta paramedic who responded to a crash that claimed her own daughter. I want everybody to know how much she meant to us. A heart-wrenching loss and the outpouring of support. Plus, expelled from the Emergencies Act inquiry. You're speaking, that has not I'm been speaking. Ruled on. Okay. Been filed for I days. will take a break while uh, you're asked Sir? to leave. A convoy lawyer temporarily removed after a tense debate. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina, reporting tonight from Doha. The bright lights of Qatar, where Canada is about to have its moment in the global spotlight. Good evening, everyone. Canadian players kick off their World Cup journey tomorrow, and while they're a long shot, today was a reminder that anything can happen. Saudi Arabia shocked one of the tournament favorites, beating Argentina 2-1. Another team, ranked in the top 10, Denmark, couldn't score in a draw with Tunisia. And this incredible save by the Mexican goalkeeper denied Poland's all-time leading goal scorer. Unforgettable moments discussed around the world, and tomorrow, Canada hopes to join the conversation. CTV's Heather Wright on the chance to make history. On Canada's 26-man roster, only one player was alive the last time this team made it to the World Cup. We want to put Canada on the map. At 39 years old, Captain Atiba Hutchinson is the oldest outfield player in the tournament, leading his team into their first match tomorrow against Belgium. We're looking forward to just going out there and, you know, um, competing to win every single match we play in. Belgium is the number two ranked team in the world, a tough early test for the Canadian squad, ranked a distant 41st. Coming into a game like this, we don't have a great amount to lose, just genuine opportunity to make it our, our cup final and that's uh, that's what it is for Canada. Canada may be the underdogs but making it to the World Cup it's going to be just electric is reason enough for fans to travel halfway around the world. I seen the last time we were there because I was his age. Ooh, ah, Canada. Proudly wearing his Canadian flag, Ari Charlstein is trying to get it signed by as many people from as many different countries. Argentina, I've got Senegal, I've got Azerbaijan, USA, England. For some, though, picking what flag to fly isn't always easy. I was born in Croatia, therefore the Croatian side, but I'm a Canadian for 60 years, so therefore the Canadian side. So I figured during that game I can't lose. <laughs> the rivalry at this table is a bit stronger. But when Canada wins and goes through, then maybe yeah, yeah, I might have to change flag. They're split between Morocco and Canada, but agree Canada being here is why they made the trip. It's just fantastic. You know, the women have always done really well, the Canadian women's team, but now the men have just had this amazing run to the World Cup, and I think it's time for Canada as a good soccer nation. This is just the second time Canada has made it to a World Cup. In 86 in Mexico, they didn't score a goal or win a game, something they'll try to change tomorrow. Omar.
and all of Canada will be cheering them on. Okay, Heather, at the historic Sukhwakif Market just south of here. And now let's go west to the International Broadcast Centre and TSN's Matt Chinetti, who was at that Team Canada press conference. Matt, what was the headline there today? Omar, the big news out of Canada's pre-match availability is, yes, Alfonso Davies will play against Belgium after he said he was confident enough to start just a few days ago. He's ready to go. I mean, he's, he's flying and training yesterday, enjoying himself. You know, I think you know, Canada are in a position now where we can field, you know, our strongest team. Everyone's came through. But maybe, though the game is going to be played Wednesday night inside Ahmed Ben Ali Stadium, the difference in perception between an established World Cup nation like Belgium and a returning World Cup nation like Canada was on display. Because Canada was late for its pre-match availability, which FIFA says doesn't happen. And John Herdman, who is a detail-oriented head coach, said that won't happen again. He was visibly irked by that. Meanwhile, Roberto Martinez is the manager of the number two ranked team in the world. And Martinez heaped praise on Canada for finishing first in CONCACAF in qualifying the North American and Caribbean qualification region. They look like a team very clear in their concepts, very, very dynamic, uh, competitive, uh, a team that, that they know their strengths. And compared Belgium's first game in 2022 to its first game in 2018 when they faced another CONCACAF nation in Panama who was making its World Cup debut. Belgium won that game 3-0. Omar? A lot of anticipation. Machinati in the west end of Doha tonight. Matt, thank you. And Team Canada truly reflects the diversity of the country. Of the 26 players, seven are foreign-born, first-generation immigrants. Another 12 are second-generation. So this roster is a multicultural mosaic. And they are all playing under that Canadian banner. CTV's Quebec Bureau Chief Genevieve Beauchemin on the pride that's both profound and very personal. The red and white gears all out, and fans across Canada are all set to tune in, join together, and cheer a moment decades in the making. It's been 36 years of waiting, and uh, really, and we met each other last year in the in the World Cup uh, qualifying matches. We were all over the country. I went in uh, Edmonton. We went in Toronto. We were there at the the last game in Jamaica. The two is part of the fan outfit now. Four years ago, it was July. 31 degrees when supporters rushed the streets to celebrate France's World Cup win. This time, it will be 30 degrees colder. But fans promise to turn up the heat with their passion. And bars like Le Frappé, a classic soccer viewing party spot, expect a full house. I still think it's going to be great. I still think uh, people are going to enjoy watching it. It's too bad we don't have terrace, but it's fine. Making the game all the more beautiful to watch here, six players on Canada's squad hail from CF Montreal. We have more people from the Montreal Impact team representing Canada than any other team around the world. Manuel, good save, Pantemis. Among them, goalkeeper James Pantemis. He grew up here playing for the Lakeshore Soccer Club. Former professional player Rudy Dolisgat was one of his coaches along the road to the world stage. When we watch the games here, uh, we're hoping to get a glimpse of him on the pitch so that we can say one of our own is, uh, is, is out there in Qatar representing Canada. Superfan Eric Eccles will be home to watch cuddling with his three-year-old son for a lesson in Canadian soccer history. Just wearing my, my Canada stuff, you know, and it's, it just makes me really, really proud. And that's the beauty uh, in this game, he like says. That's our favorite player. It's bringing uh, people together.
Viewing parties have been planned at bars and at soccer venues in many parts of the country, right in the middle of what for many would be the work day. Omar. Making the time to show some of that Canadian pride. Genevieve Beauchemin in Montreal tonight. And now more on that epic upset today, already ranked the greatest in World Cup history. The Saudis stunned Argentina and Lionel Messi two goals to one, defeating a team that had gone undefeated for three years until today. They rejoiced in Riyadh. And on the streets of Doha, they are still celebrating a victory so seismic the Saudi king has declared tomorrow a national holiday. FIFA was criticized in Ottawa today for not allowing team captains to wear the One Love armbands in support of the LGBTQ2S plus community. International sporting governing bodies have a moral obligation to support players and fans in highlighting the fight for equality against homophobia. An NDP motion passed unanimously in the House of Commons condemning the move. While a few blocks away, the Emergencies Act inquiry heard more critical testimony with proceedings that got so heated, one lawyer was told to leave. CTV's Judy Trin was there. The lawyer for the Freedom Convoy tossed for breaking the rules. Brendan Miller verbally demanded the addition of a new witness instead of submitting a written application. Testing the no, commissioner's patience. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm speaking. It's not I'm speaking. Been ruled on. It's okay. been filed for I days. will take a break while uh, you're asked Sir? to leave. Miller was frustrated with a process he felt wasn't transparent enough. They have tried to turn this entire proceeding into an inquiry about the failures of Chief Slawley as opposed to actually about the invocation of the Emergencies Act. Inside, the public safety minister defended the use of the Emergencies Act, even as he admitted to disregarding this email from the RCMP commissioner. On February 13th, Brenda Lucky wrote that police had not yet exhausted all available tools available through existing legislation. I don't recall exactly when I would have seen it. Marco Mendicino said alarming developments in Alberta overshadowed the email. The RCMP had uncovered a plot by extremists gathering at the Coots border blockade to kill police. They had ideologically extremist views and symbolism that was attached to the group that they were prepared to go down uh, with the cause. On February 14th, hours after the Coots arrest, the government passed the Emergencies Act. Lawyers for the Alberta and Saskatchewan government have said they were not consulted on suspending civil liberties. But the Intergovernmental Affairs Minister said there had been broad discussions about how to deal with the growing protests. There was a, an ongoing and active effort, both at the level of ministers but senior officials supporting them, to reach out to provincial jurisdictions. After apologizing to the commissioner, the Freedom Convoy's lawyer was allowed to return to the proceedings. And Omar, we are in the home stretch. There are only three more days left in this inquiry. All right, Judy Trin in Ottawa tonight. The Prime Minister faced questions on another security matter today about whether China interfered in a federal election. CTV's Ottawa Bureau Chief Joyce Napier with what we know about the allegations. Arriving for his weekly cabinet meeting, Justin Trudeau repeated once again he was never briefed about alleged Chinese interference in Canada's federal elections. There has never been any information given to me 
on the funding of federal candidates by China. The integrity of our elections was not compromised. But Canada's election commissioner is now looking into it. I can confirm that our office has received a complaint from the Bloc Québécois related to allegations of foreign interference. The issue was first reported by Global News two weeks ago, including a, quote, clandestine network targeting 11 federal candidates running in the 2019 election with donations. It's incredibly important for the government to be more forthcoming with answers to questions we have about who the candidates are, who the donors are. The government and even Canada's chief electoral officer who testified before a parliamentary committee today haven't denied there was interference but keep saying there's nothing to see here. In my opinion there's no reason to believe that it was not a free and fair election. But the allegations did spark a diplomatic incident when Justin Trudeau raised them privately with his Chinese counterpart at the G20 summit. <laughs> Xi Jinping scolded Justin Trudeau after the conversation was made public in a readout by Canadian officials. I am concerned about interference. I am concerned about spying. Uh, and, and I think we, we have to, to stop being naive about all that. A delicate and difficult investigation as Canada's relations with China go from frosty to tense. And that exchange at the G20 summit made that quite clear. Omar? All right, Joyce, thank you. Starting next summer, Canadians living in three Atlantic provinces will be subject to the federal carbon tax. What we are trying to do is create more fairness across, uh, across the board and, and to ensure that what every jurisdiction is doing, whether they have their own system or they're using the federal system, is equivalent. Consumers in Nova Scotia, PEI and Newfoundland and Labrador will pay more for fuel, including gas and home heating. Nova Scotia supports action on climate change, but does not support a carbon tax on home heating oil at this time. They'll also be eligible for quarterly rebates. The three provinces were using their own provincial pricing program, but those standards fall short of the updated federal carbon pricing requirements, which take effect next year. In Alberta tonight, the psychological cost to being a first responder was laid bare for a paramedic who treated a victim of a horrible crash. A teenage girl so gravely injured, she was unrecognizable. CTV's Jill Makashan on the heartbreaking moment of realization. Beside the men and women who see tragedy each and every day, a paramedic, a mother, is sharing her nightmare. Getting my beautiful daughter's name out there. She meant the world to all of us. Jamie Erickson was working last Tuesday when an emergency call came in. A horrific collision on an icy stretch of Alberta Highway. Two teenage girls returning from dog walking were involved in a head-on crash. One girl survived, the other was unlikely to. For 20 minutes, Erickson worked to extricate the teenager until she was airlifted to hospital. She was Montana, Erickson's daughter. And due to the extent of her injuries was unrecognizable, Jamie unknowingly was keeping her own daughter alive. The girl who was talking about going to law school, a competitive swimmer, was later removed from life support. Anybody who knew Montana, they'd call her a firecracker. She would love fiercely if you were her friend. Um, she would love you to the end of the world and back and she would do anything for you. She was a fighter and she fought. And she gave, saving two lives. In the end, Montana was able to give one last gift. 
and she was able to uh, donate her organs. This shattered mother is also a paramedic, unlikely to work again. First responders from across Canada and around the world are helping. Tens of thousands of dollars have already been raised in support, Omar. No charges are expected in the crash. It was a tragic accident. Just devastating. All right, Jill, thank you. Time for a short break, but when we come back... That is less than 100 Canadian dollars per month. Canadian Tire accused of paying low wages overseas. Plus, net gain, World Cup influence on Canadian kids. There is an updated toll in the Indonesian quake zone tonight. More than 268 people are dead, many of them children. As search crews continue their painstaking work, the body count is rising. Nearly 60,000 people are homeless tonight after the quake and ensuing landslides buried entire villages on the island of Java. Conditions for workers in Bangladesh are at the heart of a complaint made against one of Canada's best-known companies. Labour groups accuse Canadian Tire of failing to pay a living wage. CTV's Atlantic Bureau Chief Kreisen Ajkute reports. Two Canadian labour groups are blowing the whistle on Canadian Tire for allegedly violating international human rights standards against South Asian workers. Minimum wages in Bangladesh trap people in poverty. It's not enough when you compare the cost of food and shelter. Both the United Steelworkers Union and the Canadian Labour Congress allege that Canadian Tire's clothing store Marks is paying garment workers in Bangladesh less than a dollar an hour, well below the poverty line. The average worker is getting about 10,000 taka, which is the Bangladesh uh, currency, a month. Um, that adds up to about less than $100 Canadian. Both groups found out about the low-paid workers following fact-finding trips to Bangladesh after the collapse of the Rana Garment Factory in 2013 that killed 1,138 people. Since then, safety has been improved, but workers' rights are still not protected. Lily Chang says she witnessed firsthand how factory worker families live in overcrowded housing many living in just one room with one bed. The bed is it's like plywood. It, it was hard and stiff. And, and yet five children along with the grandmother sleep on the bed while the mother and father slept on the floor. In a statement to CTV News, Canadian Tire Corporation says it regularly tracks wage rates and works with reputable third parties to audit factories that manufacture our own brand products. The United Steelworkers Union says the company has the capacity to take a leadership role on the issue. These women work hard. Um, they work six days a week, often 10 hours a day, um, and they barely survive. The Canadian Labour Congress says it previously informed Canadian Tire about the wage issue, but the company didn't respond. A complaint has now been filed with a federal ombudsperson. Chris Nachkate, CTV News, Halifax. Still ahead, the plan after a beer ban. What to do with a massive supply of World Cup suds? Soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo and Manchester United, the Premier League club, are severing ties immediately after months of friction between the two sides. 
Ronaldo's contract at Old Trafford was mutually terminated a week after giving an explosive interview, ripping the club, saying he felt betrayed and has no respect for the manager. The 37-year-old's playing future is now up in the air. For now, Ronaldo is in Qatar with Portugal, aiming to win a first World Cup title for his country. And the winning nation at the World Cup will now get a whole lot more than a trophy and bragging rights. After Qatar banned alcohol sales at all stadiums at the last minute, Budweiser was left with loads of beer on its hands. Today, it came up with a solution, tweeting, winning country gets the buds. Who will get them? The company says it will share more details closer to the finals. Now that's one incentive. Here's a better one. Generation Next, inspired by Canada's World Cup dreams. Stay with us. We end tonight where we started. Team Canada. They haven't won their first game at the World Cup yet, but as CTV's John Venavelli Rao reports, they've already won over legions of young fans. Tonight, we met up with kids from the Cherry Beach Soccer Club, pumped about tomorrow's big game. It was really cool to have my country playing in the World Cup at such a high level of soccer. Most of these players are in grade six. Born about 25 years after, Canada last played in a World Cup. They probably won't go too far, but I hope they do. We're not that silent country that everybody thinks is like kind and says sorry a lot. We're ruthless now. No question, just getting into the tournament has been incredibly inspirational for the next generation of players. It's a tough group, but I think but Canada's strong. I think they'll fight through it. And perhaps nowhere are young people more excited than at the Edmonton Soccer School where Alfonso Davies used to play. Proudly posting on Instagram this old photo of him, Riding from St. Nicholas Academy to the World Cup. Kind of tells like youth athletes that you know, like everyone has a chance of making it. And yeah, it's, it's really cool how he like went to the same school and now he's playing at the, like the biggest stage. It's really exciting. Yeah. In footage from a decade ago, you can see Davies, who has become the face of Canadian soccer. Back then, at age 12, he was asked about his goals. My goals are play to reach professional level and probably play with some of the pros. Nice save, Adam. His old coach calling tomorrow's match a super proud moment. We're doing a watch party in our gym. We're shutting down the school. All the kids are going to go to the gym on the big screen and, and watch and cheer uh, Canada and, uh, and Alfonso Davies. Earlier this year, Davies made a surprise visit to the school. I look up to Alfonso. You know, he came here, letting us know anyone can make it no matter where you are. And now, so many, young and old, hoping the team makes it, Past that first round. Let's go, get it! John Venavelli Rouse, CTV News, Toronto. And that is definitely something we are all hoping for. And you can watch what happens tomorrow. Live coverage on CTV and all TSN platforms begins at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, Belgium versus Canada. Fingers crossed. And that is a snapshot of this Tuesday. I'm Omar Sachdina. For all of us at CTV National News here in Doha and back in the National Newsroom, thank you for watching. Good night and see you tomorrow.